0: What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita show back here after Labor Day weekend. As always, I'm Jack Vita. It is the 7th of September already, 2021. Hard to believe we're already past Labor Day into September and chugging along. First weekend of college football is in the books. We've got NFL coming up later this week, just a couple days away from our NFL kickoff. Make sure you guys participate in the Jack Vita show, Pick'em Pool, which is going to be closing this Thursday. We're taping this on a Tuesday. It closes Thursday, September 9th, because that's when the games get going. So make sure you go to my website, jackvita.com, and follow the instructions. I'll post that link several times over the next few days, so you guys can uh, I'll also include that link to wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you get in our Pick'em Pool, picking NFL games, college football games, and... You could end up winning some money and an appearance on the Jack Vita show. We released our NFL previews last week, and we're going to have a lot more coming up football themed as this should be the trend over the next uh, several months. Each Sunday, Monday or Tuesday, releasing a football recap for the weekend and then later in the week talking some baseball today. We're going to dive right into college football it was it was a very eventful weekend of course there was also a little bit of baseball news at this time let me welcome once again andrew stem back to the show andrew how was your weekend it was really good jack Uh, i appreciate you having
1: me on always good to talk sports football baseball whatever basketball with you it'll be basketball in here soon enough (laughs) yeah and uh it was good we uh did some work we uh my wife likes to take on projects so we did some work redoing our our living room put some paint on the wall she built some shelves we got a new couch uh so it was i think a little bit more physically taxing than what a lot of people do over labor day weekend but it was very <laughs> rewarding and uh it allowed us allowed me anyway to keep tabs on football still so that was good
0: yeah i did a lot of that last fall i did a lot of just kind of fixing up my room and so i've just put on the football and it's a it's a good i think it's a pretty good life it feels very rewarding to make your place nicer and to know that you're doing it you're saving money doing it on your own and you're able to watch a little bit of football while you do it it's pretty good absolutely absolutely and uh there's a lot to talk about man it was quite (laughs) a weekend (laughs) yes so before we do football uh, quickly, we'll touch on some baseball news. So, uh, big series over the weekend. The San Francisco Giants took two of three, and they end up now with the from the L.A. Dodgers, of course. And now, this is the first year since 2016 that the Giants finish with a better head-to-head record versus the Dodgers. So, uh, just a really phenomenal story with this Giants team. Uh, it puts them in position now with still a few weeks left to right now they're in first place in the NLS and that's going to be big because you don't want to play in that wild card game you don't want to have to tax your number one pitcher and then on top of all that you want to be able to host the Dodgers because that's probably going to be the NLDS um, but what a what a story for the San Francisco Giants team um, I had really written off Gabe Kapler as a manager after what I saw in Philly and he's Made me absolutely eat my words. He's done a phenomenal job with that team. Just an ultimate Cinderella dark horse team that no one believed in. Even the first couple months of the season, we all were waiting for that team to to regress, and it hasn't come. Best record in baseball right now. Uh, What a story. Andrew, what else were you keeping track on with baseball over the past few days? Man,
1: the the American League West has uh, a new second-place team. Um, yeah, you know, Oakland had been kind of seemingly in that wild card position, and they've kind of tailed off as of late. But uh, the Mariners got hot. Uh, Seattle has moved to within five and a half of Houston, and uh, just three games back of that wild card. They've jumped a half game ahead of Oakland, and uh, you know that was that was something to keep an eye on. I mean, the the second wild card, and really both wild card spots in the American League. Uh, and in the National League as well. But the Yankees leads down to a half game over Boston, but Boston's only got a three-game lead over Toronto. Uh, Seattle's within three. Oakland's within three and a half. Um, you know, and, and you get these kind of varying schedules, but it's going to be tough for those ALEs teams because they're all going to be playing each other, and they've all put up pretty good records. Um, the Yankees just three and seven in their last ten. Meanwhile, uh, Toronto's eight and two. Um, they swept Oakland. Marcus Simeon had a couple of big hits against his former team. And uh, the you know the Yankees lost two of three to Baltimore, and uh, then in the National League, I mean it's you know the, the NL East is, I, I mean I think a morass is kind of a, a fair word to, to describe <laughs> what's going on there. Nobody seems to want to win it. Um, Atlanta, right there, you know they got the lead now. Phillies just a game and a half back. The Mets, the the roller coaster ride that is the New York <laughs> Mets continues. Um you know, yeah, they Javi had a good Baez. week for those
0: who may have missed it. They had a good week after we killed them last week on the show.
1: <laughs> Javi Baez making great plays, losing two hundred thousand dollar earrings, and it's 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 something, but the Mets are seven and three in their last ten. Um, you know, the Brewers are clues, uh, going to cruise the NL central that, that you mentioned that big series in the West. And then it's the Padres, the Reds, you know, kind of who else, maybe Philadelphia, the Mets, can they make a run at that second wild card spot? Um, y- it looked like the Reds, you know, they, they had, after they played the Brewers and, and the Cardinals and had some tough series, they had Detroit coming into town and then they go to Chicago and they've lost three of those four games. And, uh, you know nothing against the Tigers, but uh, not quite what you'd ex- the result you'd expect against a team trying to get into the playoffs. So the Reds are kind of tailing back a little bit. The Brewer or the Padres are trying to hold on, and um, you know we'll we'll see, man. It, the the races, you know, I I know we uh, have different thoughts. Maybe I think about the wild cards and whether there should be more, but this certainly yeah. leads to some leads to some entertaining pennant races here. But you know. You go through all this effort, and you got to struggle, and you get teams maybe having to go to day 163 and then pitching a shot. And meanwhile, the team that wins the wild card in, say, the National League, either the the Giants or the Dodgers, whoever doesn't win the West, will be rested and and ready to go for that one game. But as we all know, anything can happen in one game, and uh, often does. So uh, (laughs) that's what makes those wild card games so entertaining.
0: Yeah, at this point, I'd like to – at this point, I'm like, let's retract a – Playoff spot from the National League because it's like who even wants to get in there? No one wants to win the NL East. No one wants the second wild card spot. Padres have been a huge disappointment, which I I somewhat predicted. I did have them in the playoffs because I'm like, I don't really like anyone else in this National League to edge them out. And they I mean, granted, I didn't think the Giants were going to do this. Um, Padres been a big disappointment. But yeah, it's it's a cluster mess in the National League right now.
1: Yeah, we can just have the Giants, Dodgers and Brewers play like a a 15 game round robin or something and whoever has the best record after you know 15 games against
0: the other two teams they they advance to the World Series. That seems <laughs> as reasonable as anything else. I mean, those are the three best teams. I, the Having this open NL East, though, it, it does make things so entertaining and should make for a great uh, last few weeks of the season. And we'll be covering plenty more baseball. We haven't done a whole lot over the last couple of weeks because I've had to get these uh, football previews out. But, yeah, we'll be having a baseball show in the middle of the week uh, up through now, through the rest of the season and the postseason season. Andrew, here's how I want to do this uh, football thing. So I think that, you know, Jack Vita Show is a news source. So I want to give people the news. I'm going to give a little rundown of the scores from the weekend, and we'll just dive right in. So I'm going to give you my weekend wrap-up. And by the way, I was out of town this weekend. I was up in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. So I wasn't watching... As much as I normally did, I did get to watch more than I thought I would, however. So I did sort of throw these notes together here at the last minute. So uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty that you can add on if I missed it. Are you ready for the week one college football recap? Let's do it, man. All right. Tough weekend for the ACC. As the ACC's three best teams all suffered losses, Georgia took down the Clemson Tigers. Um, who I believe, Andrew, you might be able to help me with this. When was the last time Clemson had a regular season loss?
1: Um, they lost that when Trevor Lawrence was out, they lost it. Oh, right. Last year, that's right. Um, but I can't remember, like. They have those one inexplicable like one ace inexplicable ACC loss. Not that Notre Dame last year was inexplicable, but like the loss to Pitt one year yeah. and things of that nature. So, um, but yeah, they don't lose very often. They under don't Cabo in the regular season.
0: So they lose that game ten three in a dogfight of a game in Charlotte. The Alabama Crimson Tide rolled. The Miami Hurricanes, 44-13, really not a big surprise in that game. And then North Carolina, this was probably the biggest shocker for me of the weekend. They went on the road to, uh, was it Virginia Tech? Or it was Virginia Tech, right? Yeah. They went on the road to Virginia Tech. This is where you guys can tell that I slopped these notes together at the last second. 17-10, Sam Howell threw three picks. Sam Howell was, I mean, prior to this past week, If you looked at the NFL mock draft boards, number two quarterbacks, I'll maybe like them even more than Spencer Rattler, number one. The ACC did not win a bowl game last year, and their top three teams all lost this week. Uh, So not a good look for the ACC. The other quarterback that I mentioned, Spencer Rattler, the consensus seems to be everyone's favorite to win the Heisman this year. He played solid, but he did throw a couple picks. Oklahoma was up big on Lane at the half, and they just managed to squeak out a win at home, 40-35. to Penn State goes on the road to Camp Randall, and the Wisconsin Badgers suffered that kind of loss that Andrew and I talked about. They always seem to have these games where everyone's expecting them to win, and they don't. I mean, that's a tough team that you're playing in the Penn State Nittany Lions. That game was at home. Uh, Graham Mertz did not look good. 16-10, 16 10, the Nittany Lions get pick up a big time road win. The Iowa Hawkeyes absolutely blew out Indiana Hoosiers at home 34 to 6. Ohio State was down at the half at Minnesota in our kickoff game on Thursday night. And uh, things were looking. CJ Stroud, he was playing okay, but he was struggling a little bit. Um, 45-31, they end up pulling out that win. Minnesota star running back Muhammad Ibrahim uh, looks like he's going to be out for the season, what may have been an Achilles injury. UCLA continued its uh, prowess after their dominating win over Hawaii last week. They go and they win a game at home against LSU, 38-27. LSU uh, was a top-20 team. Texas Longhorns kick off the Steve Sarkeesian era with a big, big win over University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, and that was actually, I mean, I thought that was a pretty big win because last year the Sun Belt went 3-0 and against the Big 12. I thought this was one that, I mean, I typically, am always cautious with Texas, but Texas ends up picking up a big win, 38-18. Notre Dame fighting Irish. Squeak out a win in overtime on the road at Florida State, 41-38. Great story seeing Mackenzie Milton, former UCF quarterback and draft prospect, getting in there and leading a big-time comeback, even though Florida State did not win that game. That was a fun one to watch. Montana... I just found this out today. I didn't even hear anyone talk about this. The Montana Grizzlies beat the number 20 team in the country, Washington, 13-7. Oregon, uh, on top of Fresno State, 31-24. Iowa State just squeaked out a win against Northern Iowa. I didn't even know Northern Iowa played football, Andrew. And uh, that final on that game was 16-10. Michigan State beats my Northwestern Wildcats on Friday night. It was a home game for Northwestern, 38-21. And then Andrews, Michigan Wolverines, with a strong start to the season, blowing out Western Michigan, 47-14. All right, Andrew, what did I miss, and what would you like to dive into, first of all? First, a quick
1: note about Northern Iowa. That's the alma mater of um, Kurt Warner. Oh yes, uh, that's right. So, so they've been, <laughs> they've been playing football. They're a pretty decent FCS team. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't know whether you want to kind of build towards what's happening, uh, this coming week. We've got a big Cyhawk Hawk showdown. Uh, we'll get to that State. at the end. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then, uh, winner this week was Alabama. And it seems like Alabama just continues to roll. And then I think if we look at the Georgia Clemson game, there's everybody else. Um, I mean, you could get some people who are arguing that Georgia's defense just really, really good. Um, I mean, they limited Clemson to 180 yards of total offense. They rushed for two yards. Um, DJ Ugalele was under pressure all night. The reason I hesitate to take Georgia seriously, and I know that – the betting markets have moved them into one of the top four or five favorites now to win the national title is that they didn't score an offensive touchdown like Clemson's defense also very good, but the two offenses in this game combined for two point scoring drives, each team kicked a field goal. And then Georgia had a big long pick six return for a touchdown. Um, I mean, defense was the name of the game, and I don't know, you know, this is one of those, you don't want to overreact too much to week one, how much of it was being really good defense, how much of it is offenses aren't quite, you know, what we thought they would be. We thought George's offense with all those returners was going to be pretty good with JT Daniels at the helm, so so maybe they get a pass. Um, You know, but it was, if you like defense – it was a good game to watch. If you're yeah. a big fan of offense, it was a struggle. <laughs> um, you know, it was like, I, cause I was, I was the paper office and we've got the one TV. So I was kind of flipping around games. And I feel like the only thing I missed when I'd flip away for five minutes is four punts. Um, <laughs> it was, if you love defense, it was great. And if you don't love defense, it was, man, it was, it was a hard watch. So um, you know, Georgia kind of moves up. They may very well be, I don't think the the new AP poll is no,
0: they haven't yet. come out yet. It
1: should, should be here around 11 or noon, but, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Georgia may move all the way up to number two, um, from number five. And I, you know, you beat Clemson in the season opening, kind of the, the gate marquee game of the first week. I think they'll probably deserve it. Um, you mentioned Oklahoma, they were behind, then they were way ahead. Then they were, uh, almost behind again. Uh, yeah. They may drop a little bit. Well, you know, it's it's hard to tell what voters think about whether you know, well, they won, it was close. Should we move them back? Should we not? Um, but you know, Alabama just keeps rolling, man. Uh, Bryce Young stepped right in there, and we talked about all the guys they lost in the draft, and you know, Mac Jones will be starting in New England, and Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddle, and Najee Harris, and it just it does not seem to matter. Uh, they just keep right on rolling, and uh, they certainly look the part of
0: you know the national title favorite. Um, well, what does that do for Miami to for their confidence to open up the season, which is a team that number 14 in the country, you had them potentially as your number two team in the ACC, maybe the team that could surpass Clemson, and I had North Carolina, and they lost. But what does that do to a team's comp, uh, confidence to have to play the defending champs, who clearly look the very best out of any team in the country? How do you how do you bounce back from this?
1: I mean, that's a good question. Somebody actually did a study on that of all these you know kickoff classic games that Alabama plays in, uh, and Florida State is something like ten or twelve games under five hundred since they played. I think it was the start of the twenty seventeen season. They played Alabama. Yeah,
0: that's right. In that
1: in that opening game. Um, you know, Michigan, I think it was 2012. They b- played in Dallas or Arlington against Alabama. And I think they went eight and four that year. Uh, Duke hasn't been the same, so it's hard to rebound. So if Miami can, uh, if, you know, Manny Diaz can get that team to rebound, it would, he'll kind of be the, the first to make that happen. But, uh, you get so hyped up to take on defending national champions and the, the juggernaut that is Alabama. And then when you just get rolled, it just, I imagine it has to be crushing, you know, and Miami is a really good team and Alabama made them look like they were your average. Uh, uh, I can't even come up like <laughs> you're at a, like a low mountain West league team or, or something <laughs> like that. They just did whatever they want, got whatever they want. Um, yeah, man, they just, they just, they jumped out to a big lead, you know, it was 27 to three at halftime. And then it's kind of, you know, coasted through the second half. It was, it was an impressive performance. And, you know, for some reason, teams keep scheduling Alabama. And I mean, I know Alabama has got to play somebody, but teams keep playing these, (laughs) these kickoff games and keep getting pounded. And it, you know, it it takes a while to recover.
0: So I think, uh, the next thing I'm going to bring up and this, I think this is a two part thing. So we have, uh, really two different things to look at with this. The story for me, I think one of the takeaways from this first weekend, a lot of quarterbacks that had high expectations uh, to perform extremely high level, maybe win a Heisman or their team to have extremely high chance of winning. A lot of those guys didn't really live up to the billing this past week. DJ Ugalele, Clemson doesn't get in the red zone. CJ Stroud at Ohio state, uh, you know they picked it up in the second half, but he looked a little looked a little rattled in the first half at at Minnesota. Uh, there are a number of other examples I'm sure you could bring up. Spencer Rattler, you know he was okay, but he didn't play like amazing. Uh, I'm trying to think who else would fit that bill in terms of guys who maybe oh Graham Mertz would be another one at Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, even Brock Purdy at Iowa State. Yeah. I mean he was you know, he only had five incompletions but he only threw for 199 yards no touchdowns i i mean you can you know these week one games especially when you play an fcs opponent i guess um you know michigan's lost one of these games um <laughs> so it's like you know you, you kind of start to look past them and for the fcs school it's kind of their version of you know super bowl till they get to the playoffs and uh Northern Iowa stood a real good chance and as you mentioned Montana I was watching that game on the the Pac-12 network uh just waiting for Washington to score and they just they never did they they scored in the first quarter and then didn't score again and and credit to the Grizzlies um you know for getting up that win but yeah there you know you we talked about all the quarterbacks and after last year a wide receiver finally winning the Heisman we looked at the favorites for who might win the Heisman. And it was looked like it was going to be a quarterback and there's still plenty of season left, but, um, you know, you mentioned Sam Howell and, you know, he 17 of 32. Um, he, he was not that impressive. Rattler looked okay threw for 300 yards, only one touchdown, but it, you know, he did what he needed to do. Neither of the, the quarterbacks in Georgia Clemson were very impressive. Um, so, um, but there, there were some other guys, you know, coming back or, or guys making first kind of appearances that I think looked they looked pretty impressive. Oh, oh Michael Penix Jr., I think, is another one we can add yeah. to that list of, you know, 14 of 31, three interceptions, two return for touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, there were definitely some quarterbacks that underperformed, and uh, that's, that's the reason why their teams either struggled or didn't win at all.
0: I really think that we cannot under, we can't overestimate or underestimate. I don't even know what I'm saying, but the value of having fans in the stadium last year, it was a lot easier to go into Minnesota and you're not dealing with, you know, rowing the boat and all that stuff. Uh, Cause CJ Stroud, he looked a little more rattled. Like a little, like he seemed impacted by the bright lights. It's the first game of the season. It's a nationally televised game. It's a huge game on Thursday night. And you're playing on the road. And I feel like last year, you take those fans away from the sport. And the sport, you know, it's just not the same sport. That's part of what makes college football so great. And so to see, you know, answer Sandman and jump, in a rat, jump around at Wisconsin and just all of the, all of the, stuff that makes college football so great i mean for us to watch it at home it was a huge win for us it felt normal it felt great and it was is really really dang fun it adds a lot to the entertainment value for the players if you're going on the road I and mean, that's that is a very different animal to go into a road stadium that's packed with fans versus last year in the big 10 you had zero fans whatsoever and then in other places you only hear it seeing like 20 or 30% capacity for the fans.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's incredibly uh reasonable and that's a pretty good take. Certainly it looked like um you know, how was rattled there in Blacksburg and and credit to those people, they get they get loud and they get wild and if you have not seen the video of uh the team entering Lane Stadium on Thursday, uh Friday night to enter Sandman. Uh, <laughs> I can share the tweet with you later, and you can you know tweet it out because it is it is remarkable. Uh, that's one of those avid or one of those venues I've always secretly kind of had on the bucket list, a place I want to go and just watch the team come out to enter Sandman. Um, yeah, he, he looked rattled. Um, you know, credit to Strout. You mentioned he looked a little bit shaken uh, making his first collegiate start, and I honestly thought they may you know, the problem that Ohio state has is they don't have a, a seasoned backup. He's, he was the guy who was the backup to Justin Fields last year. Um, and had attempted, I think three passes in his career. So they would have been turning it over to somebody else who may or may not have had any sort of experience, but to his credit, he looked much better in the second half. I mean, it's, it's, it's helpful when you have, um, people like Chris Olave, you know, to, to get the ball to, he certainly makes things easier. And, uh, So, yeah, yeah, he looked good in the second half.
0: So my next question is, obviously, we touched on Bryce Young, but who else, I mean, who else uh, really looked good in terms of the quarterbacks this past weekend? Uh, Whether it be for a potential Heisman guy or for an NFL draft pick, I got one name in mind, and I'll be impressed if if you say his name.
1: Uh, I don't know if this is the one you're thinking of. I thought Desmond Ritter was impressive.
0: That's a good uh, you know, one. We
1: would kind of we talked about how much we appreciated or how much we liked him in our preseason preview and uh, he did not disappoint throwing for four touchdowns and almost 300 yards against Miami Ohio and they put that game away very very quickly. Um so 2025 you mentioned Bryce Young um now nah, I'm interested to to see here who you're, you're kind of thinking of.
0: So I should also preface this. I'm a Ritter. Look, I mean, I saw the stat line for him. I didn't get to watch the game when I'm at home. I, I always have, I have my setup here in my room where I have two games going at a time and I flip through and I can actively search and kind of watch a lot. And this past weekend, you know, I was on the lake. Uh, we were staying in a cabin and, the TV didn't have any cable. So I hooked up my laptop for an HDMI and just did like, Oh, ABC live and put up. So I can only watch one game at a time. And once you're on that computer, you're basically committing to watching that whole game. You're not flipping through. Um, Cause it's just too much of a hassle to go through. So um, I, I didn't get to see everybody, unfortunately, but there was a guy that I watched and I hadn't watched him last year, but, He's a guy that I'm going to be tuning in now regularly, especially if they play late at night. I was watching this game, Nevada and Cal uh, on Saturday night. Carson Strong looked amazing. I was watching that guy. Some of the throws he was making, the arm strength, he was reading the field exceptionally well. It was against a Pac-12 defense. And I'm looking at Carson Strong as... I've heard some comparisons, but I mean... I think we're looking potentially at a Zach Wilson or a Josh Allen type guy who's not playing in a power five conference, but has the capability with his raw athleticism and arm talent to move up the draft boards. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who shoots up the draft boards next April.
1: Yeah. He looked really good against that uh, PAC 12, excuse me, defense that you mentioned. He's going to get a couple of marquee chances. Coming up here in a few weeks, uh, September eighteenth, they're at Kansas State, and then a couple weeks after that, they're at Boise State, and those will both be, you know, kind of not necessarily prime time, but will definitely be games that end up being on TV and um, that people will be able to find and watch. So a chance to really kind of continue to improve his his draft stock because that was one thing Zach Wilson had going for him with BYU's kind of TV deal is that uh, there he was able to, you know make all of these throws and these appearances and do these on national TV. And that, uh, I think definitely kind of shot his stock forward. So yeah, that's, that's a good call. Not somebody that I would have, uh, necessarily thought of mentioning. Um, so, so shouts to you for that poll. Uh, <laughs> we should mention Jack Cohn, um, Oh yes, Sunday night, uh, after transferring from Wisconsin, he kind of lost the quarterback battle to Graham Mertz. And so he ended up, uh, four touchdowns, and surviving in overtime in really what might have been the uh, kind of game of people were calling it the game of the year of the first week. So <laughs> uh, certainly he uh, competed very, very well.
0: Yeah, that was, it was fun to watch him. And it was also fun to watch Mackenzie Milton. And it was funny because I did not see the start of that game. We were doing a dinner uh, with some family friends at their cabin and Some of these cabins, it's like there's no Wi-Fi, no TV. And that's what I I normally disconnect entirely from news and everything, but this was college football week one and I wanted to watch some. So we got back to our cabin and it was there was maybe five minutes left. So I missed most of that game. But when I saw Mackenzie Milton, that was just my initial thought. I was like, is that the same guy from UCF? I cannot I totally did not realize that he was still playing football.
1: Yeah, it's been a uh, remarkable story for him coming back. And I'll be honest, because he did not start the game. Um, yeah. And I, I I, was in and out and did not see the play that took out their, uh, took out Florida State's starting quarterback, uh, Walker. I, his first name escapes me at the moment. But, um, you know, just the, the poise that he showed and, and to come in and, and to lead those late drives, because, you know, they were down... Uh, I mean, they outscored Notre Dame 18 to nothing in the fourth quarter. It was 38-20, and you just figure, well, it's, it's you know, Notre Dame's kind of pulling away and looking impressive, and then Milton came in. He engineered a couple of comebacks. A kicker made a big field goal in the last minute, um, and then Mike Norvell ended up kind of icing him sort of in overtime in a really strange situation, but yeah. Yeah, it was good to see Milton back there, um, you know, the, the the horrific leg injury, and, not sure he was ever going to play again and then uh sitting behind dylan gabriel transferring to florida state uh nice to see him get uh, his chance to shine and uh, make the most of his opportunity
0: yeah and jack Cohn, by the way 366 yards four touchdowns if you're a wisconsin fan you have to be kicking yourself watching jack cone playing at notre dame which i believe notre dame is a as a I think that's a step up from Wisconsin. To tell the truth, I don't think it's a gigantic step. I think they're probably and they're they're gonna play each other in a few weeks. So I guess we can really see. But I mean, Notre Dame is one of the biggest brands in sports. Notre Dame football. He goes from Wisconsin to Notre Dame, and if you're if you're a Wisconsin fan, you just gotta be frustrated, especially after. And look, it is only one game. But I watched this is like this is par for the course. I feel like with Wisconsin when I watch. It's like I was watching Game Day and I was watching the pre uh, the the preview show on Fox and they was just they were puffing up Graham Mertz constantly. It was like this this is the best quarterback they've had since Russell Wilson. It was just endless. I was hearing how great this guy is. And I feel like Wisconsin is one of those programs when you start crowning them before they've really done anything there's not going to be a very good outcome. So I actually expected them to lose this game. I wasn't expecting it to look as, uh, as poor offensively as it ended up looking for them. I also wasn't expecting three very strange uh, kick-catch interference calls or no calls that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then another targeting call that I don't believe was a targeting. I thought there were a lot of calls in favor of the Wisconsin Badgers I thought this was a pretty bad loss for them. I know it's Penn State, but you're playing at home. And if you were to, look, maybe not everyone agrees with me when it comes to some of those officiating woes, but you're looking at 30 yards from the the kick-catch interference calls, another 15 from the targeting call. That's 45 yards, and then 15 yards that Penn State did not receive on a similar play that, could have been called kick-catch catch interference. That's a 60-yard difference in this game on some calls that a lot of people thought, hey, I, I don't know what you're doing here with these calls. I thought Wisconsin looked pretty bad in this first week. Like That was the team I think was the biggest disappointment this week.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair, being at home. I mean, the the first half of that game was a slog.
0: Nothing nothing at <laughs> halftime. I liked um, it, to tell the truth. I like being the... No, I like... Here's what I like, Andrew. I love having the Big Ten games like that, and then I love having the Big Twelve opposite uh, type Man. games.
1: And this game going on at the same time, Oklahoma Tulane was. And <laughs> uh, those two games could not have been more polar opposite. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, you talk about that Wisconsin being at home. It's you know a game you should win, right? Um, you know, teams you figure have pretty equal talent. Wisconsin ran 95 plays on offense.
0: Um, dominated had fewer, time of possession and,
1: and, and still had fewer than 400 yards of offense. So, um, you know, credit to the Penn state defense, I Penn state had 297 yards of offense total. Uh, they only rushed for 50 and one of those came on a, uh, 34 yard touchdown run. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, like I sort of am left feeling about this game, like I was about Clemson and Georgia. I don't know whether these are two really good defenses, yeah, or two really kind of mediocre offenses, <laughs> right? And and you know you don't probably make both too many, maybe. I mean, it could be both. You don't want to make too many snap judgments, but yeah, it just seemed like you know the, the wh- whoever, whether it was the referees, whatever, gave Wisconsin all those chances to win a game at the end, and they were just like, no, nah, we don't, we don't <laughs> really feel like don't not feeling it today. Um, <laughs> You know, they, you know, they could have kicked a field goal when it was 16-10. to You know, they could have made it. At, at And I get going for a touchdown trying to take the lead at the same time. In hindsight, now that they got the ball back a little while later, they could have kicked a field goal and then kicked another field goal and tried to go to overtime at 16-16. Just some kind of strange decision-making. Um, and, you know, it was about as big a difference for Graham Mertz as you can get to when he started against Illinois and threw for five touchdowns a year ago.
0: But it's um, Illinois. Is my, I mean, my point? I,
1: I, I mean, yeah, that yeah. That's just just kind of, uh, um, you know, just it goes from one kind of polar opposite to the other, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? I, I, man, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what Mike... to make about these. I don't know what to make of these two teams. I feel like I I don't know. Um, you know, they could play they could play this game a dozen times, and the game would probably be scoreless at halftime. All twelve of them. Um, <laughs> I I, guess, I don't know. Yeah, I good defenses, maybe bad offenses. We'll we'll see how it shakes out. I do like the uh, the high stakes opening with a conference win. I like that, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Minnesota, uh Nebraska, Illinois last week, Iowa, Indiana. I, I like when conferences do that. I mean, it's it's on the one hand it's kind of unfair to those teams cuz you usually use the non-conference games to kind of get all the 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 kinks worked out and yeah. kind of the mistakes. So you're ready to go. But uh, you know, there's, there's something about playing games that mean more right uh, on that week one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess my, this is, I, maybe I shouldn't even ask this question, but we're going to see Wisconsin, Notre Dame in a couple weeks here. And this is a week to week sport. You know, things could change. The narrative can flip very quickly, but you're taking Jack Cohn. You'd rather have Jack Cohn in that game than Graham Mertz, right? At this point, I, I would. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it's tough. I, I have a friend, Wisconsin friend, who was texting, and he was just very, very agitated watching that Notre Dame game the other night. No, I can believe that. So let's talk about our teams here, Andrew, and then we'll, we'll flip around. we got some other stuff to get to. But um, what do you think? of your Michigan Wolverines in this dominant week one victory? I mean,
1: you know, against Western Michigan, it's hard to know. Um, I mean, it's certainly not the same kind of test that Ohio State faced going to Minnesota, uh, Indiana faced going to Iowa, or Iowa faced taking on Indiana for that matter, or the Wisconsin-Penn State game. But, uh, you know, Michigan hasn't looked that in control of a game in quite a while. Um. So that was that was good to see. It there's a stat going around that I saw the other night that it's the first time they won a home game since before Thanksgiving 2019. They they didn't play many home games last year. The home games they played last year they lost. Um. So, you know, they look good. Um. The the spread fans in
0: the stands. Andrew.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My my dad and sister were there. Uh. Sitting in our season tickets, and they sounded like they enjoyed the game and. Yeah, just, um, you know, the defense looked good. They gave up the touchdown drive, the first one, and then kind of got everything ironed out and, uh, committed to run. Uh, Blake Corum looked really good, 112 yards on the ground and had another, uh, couple, I think 20, 25 receiving, including a touchdown catch. And they had some good offensive balance. It was a shame. Um, Ronnie Bell is going to be out for the year after injuring his leg on a punt return. And he's kind of the one veteran receiver that Michigan had, um, so it's it's next guy up, next man up, and uh, you hope he gets healthy. And if he decides to come back for uh, red shirt next year, or if he moves on to the NFL, but you wish the best for him. But yeah, um, there there weren't too many results that could have had me more pleased than <laughs> you know this one. And now um, they'll take on Washington on Saturday night,
0: be a prime good one. time.
1: Yeah, it'll be you know they're certainly going to get a hungry Washington team because. Uh, You know, after that inexplicable loss, whether they were looking ahead to Michigan or you know Montana had their number, it's kind of hard to tell. But uh, you know that team certainly is not going to want to start out the season with two straight losses, so they're gonna they're gonna bring everything they've got in the big house, and Michigan better be ready for them.
0: And my Northwestern Wildcats opened the season with a home loss against Michigan State. It was actually so. I'll give you my takeaways. I'll love to hear what you think, but Northwestern. I think a lot of the concerns they had a lot of guys leave it's a it's a fairly new team compared to where they were last year the concern was will the offense score points how will Hunter Johnson perform and I actually thought the pieces on offense actually looked pretty good Hunter Johnson made some really good throws and I think I still think there's a pretty high upside with Hunter Johnson you have him for this year and Maybe he starts again next year if he stays healthy and he plays well. They do have Ryan Holinsky from South Carolina in the wings if things don't go well for him. I thought he made some really nice throws, uh, very capable throws that a lot of Northwestern quarterbacks in the past have not been able to make. And I also thought both of their running backs looked pretty strong. I thought the problems. uh, Well, there's one clear one. I didn't love the play calling. But that's not a huge concern of mine because this is what Northwestern short it does. They kind of feel it out at the start of season and they come alive as the season goes on, especially with a young team. You work out those kinks. And so I, I didn't think I mean, 21 points, is not a lot. But I thought that the pieces actually look pretty strong. Offensive line may not be great. However, the the really what I think a lot of people were not expecting is how poor the defense played. The defense allowed uh, a lot, a lot of rushing yards, uh, and it didn't look very good. So I guess it's it's weird because that is concerning to me. However, I'm not entirely hitting the panic button because of, again, just the reputation with Coach Fitzgerald and what they've done historically defensively, my hope is that they work these kinks out and they have a the next batch of games are really not too difficult uh, so I'm actually I didn't feel horrible about Northwestern I wasn't like flipping out like throwing stuff like getting really angry with the loss um I think they could have looked when you see the score of that game, I think you could have said. Oh man, that's a bad loss. And you wouldn't have found many redeeming qualities in that loss. Um, but I actually don't think it was as bad as it may have appeared to solve.
1: Yeah. Uh they you know, they had two really long drives, missed a couple of field goals. Um, and if those field goals go in, you know, things certainly play differently. Um, because it's, you know, then maybe a one score game instead of a two score game and things you can make turn out, you know, they, they didn't turn the ball over a lot. Um, I mean, those two missed field goals were, I think the, the only turnovers there might've been one fumble that they lost, but, um, yeah, the offense looked pretty competent and, you know, it was just kind of what, and we haven't touched a lot on impact transfers, but, uh, Kenneth Walker coming from wake forest to Michigan state. I mean, his first carry 75 yards for a touchdown. Uh, 26 carries, 264 yards uh, at three touchdowns. He was honestly the difference. And, um, you know, it's hard when guys transfer in, you open the, the season with them and, you know, I mean, they can try and watch film of him at Wake Forest, but how much is that really going to tell you? And, you know, so maybe they don't have a lot of film or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, you're not going to know quite how, Uh, he's going to be utilized in that particular Spartan offense. And, uh, he just, he ran hard. He ran well, I guess, four touchdowns. Um, yeah. And, uh, he, he was a difference maker for them. He was really good. Um, you know, we talked about in the preview, Northwestern only bringing back, I think, four starters on defense and they're going to kind of build toward it. Um, so uh, certainly some positives. I think there are some things that coach Fitzgerald would like to have back, you know, Obviously, not want to give up the big long run on the first play of the game. But, um, you know, I, I think for the most part, it's it's a building step. You know, we knew they were going to be young. You talked about them kind of building and Fitz being the right guy to, to build them up. Well, they'll be playing their best ball at the end of the season. And get other cracks at other teams. But uh, it's certainly a good win for Michigan State. Um, you know, a team that, Mel Tucker's team, I don't think a whole lot was expected of them. After they, you know, they, they beat Michigan in a pretty surprising fashion last year and then, uh, you know, didn't do a whole lot else. And I think they were kind of pegged for the the bottom couple of spots of the Big Ten East. And you know, it may still turn out that way, but uh, a good win for them to, to start the season. Peyton Thorne, who uh, looked competent to run in the offense after he supplanted Rocky Lombardi, who picked up a big win at Northern Illinois when they went down to Atlanta and beat Georgia Tech. And, um, yeah, so uh, a good win for Michigan State. And I don't think one of those where, you know, Northwestern fans will obviously be disappointed that they didn't win, but uh, still a lot of positives to take from that as you work towards the long season.
0: Yeah, and you also mentioned how Big Ten had so many of these interconference games this week. And so, like you said, you normally feel your team out with what will happen next week when Northwestern plays Indiana state on Saturday, I look ahead at the schedule though, and I see Indiana state, Duke, Ohio, Nebraska, Rutgers. Those are your next five games. I think by the time we hit Nebraska or Rutgers, I think we'll have a better feel for what this Northwestern team is. Uh, But there's, I, I know that a lot of people, because I was getting the text, they're like, oh, Northwestern's the worst team in the Big Ten. And it's like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. They got a great coach. There are some pieces. And like we'll have a better feel for it in a few weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the the old kind of coaching trope is the biggest improvements team makes teams make are from week one to week two. So uh, certainly a chance for, you know, we'll see. And, you know, gauge against competition. I don't know whether Indiana State quality will tell them a whole lot. Although. You know, again, FCS teams hanging with big top ranked yes. teams. Um, you know, they're in the same league as Northern Iowa, so certainly you can judge something from that. But um, yeah, you know that that they'll be they'll be better in a few weeks than they showed on Thursday night.
0: I'm pretty interested in how things shake out in the Pac-12 because, I mean, Arizona State. We didn't mention them. They they had a uh, cupcake opponent they played southern utah they blew them out 41-14 we also saw in a you know there were a bunch of there's usc they picked up their win this week and i mean san jose state was a team that won its conference last year i don't know what they returned from last year but i think that's a quality week one opponent and they won that game 30 to 7 Oregon's interesting. I know uh Kayvon Thibodeau. What happened to him? Is he hurt now? Yeah, it looked
1: like a leg injury. They don't think Gosh. it's not serious, but they don't think he's gonna make
0: the trip to Columbus this weekend, which that's you know, yeah.
1: kind which kind of changes the, the kind of face of that game a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah, Ohio State is now fourteen and a half point favorites, and I think if you're looking with Thibodeau playing, what do you think? That's like five and a half, six and a half point spread?
1: something certainly it would it would at least bring it down to single digits i would imagine if he were playing.
0: yeah yeah and i picked oregon to uh win that game when we chatted a couple weeks ago i don't i don't know how i feel about that uh because that's a big loss and uh but i mean i think it'll be interesting i mean for sure and the pack 12 you had the loss with washington but of course the how can we not talk about the 2-0 and ucla bruins We don't know how good LSU is because LSU last year, they opened this season as a ranked team and they ended up just not really being very good. Um, But going across the country from LA playing in the Bayou, winning that game 38, 27, especially they dominated Hawaii significantly. And Hawaii is a pretty strong team as well. They did that during week zero and former Michigan running back Zach Charbonnet has looked fantastic. Chip Kelly's uh, maybe he's building something here with this UCLA team.
1: He certainly could be, and it certainly seems like the balance of power maybe has shifted a little bit. Everybody was talking about you know how good the Pac-12 North was going to be with Washington and Oregon. Um, you know, you, you assume Stanford will be pretty good, but uh, you need you mentioned that Nevada law or the Nevada. And, uh, you know, Nevada beat Cal, Kansas State beat Stanford, Washington lost, Oregon beat Fresno State, but lost Kayvon Thibodeau and just didn't look all that impressive. Oregon State lost to Purdue. Um, whereas, you know, in the South, as you mentioned, USC got a good win. Uh, Arizona State got a good win. Um, you know, competition, of course, uh, has to be mentioned, like you said, but, uh, yeah, the Bruins, you know, Chip Kelly could be building something, um, you know, it, it, people had kind of been waiting for that, and, um, you know, they're, they're off to a good start. Again, like you said, I have no idea how good LSU is. Um, yeah. They could be really good, and this could turn out to be a really good win for UCLA. They could turn out to be not great, and it'll be just another game that you won uh, when we're looking at the schedule here later on. But it certainly kind of seemed to set up, like, the, you know, triumvirate of Arizona State, USC, and UCLA will be the ones that kind of decides at least certainly the Pac-12 South. And I would guess the Pac-12 overall.
0: And how about the Texas Longhorns opening up the Steve Sarkeesian era with a, what I thought was a pretty impressive win over the Raging Cajuns. They win that game 38 to 18. And admittedly I did pick, I picked Louisiana. I called it last week. I'm like, I kind of like Louisiana in that game. Louisiana's Louisiana is a strong opponent, Um, I think that's just an absolutely great start to the Sarkeesian era because they lost that game at home. There'd definitely be a different tune, uh, heading into week two.
1: (laughs) I think the big question that's on everybody's mind is, is Texas back? Is that, I think I feel like that's no, but in in all seriousness, and I know that's kind of the (laughs) running joke that, you know, Texas has been back seemingly all the time, um, (laughs) You know, anytime they've got a big win ever since they've really struggled, it's like, oh, they're back. You know, they beat Notre Dame on, uh, I think, the same Sunday of Labor Day a few years ago uh, in Charlie Strong's last year. And it's like, oh, Texas is back. And then they ended up, you know, 6-4, and 7-5. and five. But really, shout-out to Hudson Card uh, making his first start. Just 14 of 21, but a couple of touchdown passes. He looked good in control of that UT offense. And uh, they've got uh, Beyond Robinson. I I think that's how he pronounces it. Um, but twenty carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. He ran the ball really, really well. Um, and yeah, they, you know, Louisiana was a team that we had picked to kind of be one of those group of five sleepers. And yeah, the game was never particularly close. The Texas scored, I think, a late touchdown in the end of the first half to kind of make it a two score game, and they kept that two score lead pretty much throughout the rest of the game. And uh, so a good start in Austin first, uh, you know, coach Sarkeesian. And I think that, uh, you, know, you couldn't ask for a much better start for them. Uh, they'll get a little bit of a different taste here coming up this weekend. They go to Arkansas and, um, they'll get a different look there. So we'll, we'll see how things go for them, but, uh, a good start in week one.
0: All right, Andrew, anything else on week one before we look ahead to some of our matchups for week two. Did you have anything else we didn't touch on that you want to bring up?
1: I mean, we briefly touched on Cincinnati and I feel bad for saying this, but I feel like they were kind of one of the big losers of this week through no fault of their own. Um, You know, they'd have been really in trouble if Florida State had ended up beating Notre Dame in overtime because we highlighted their big chances. You know, they play Indiana, they play Notre Dame, chance to win those games, really kind of improve their stock as they try and sneak into the top four of the playoff rankings. And with Indiana taking it on the chin against Iowa and doing so in such dominant fashion, um, you know, there's a chance, I guess, Indiana rebounds and they go, they win all the rest of their games except against Cincinnati and finish 10 and two. And that looks like a high quality win. Um, But you know, the chances of that, I think if you watch the Indiana Iowa game, don't seem all that likely. And so it's kind of now a chance that Cincinnati may not have to get one of those marquee wins. Um, so they were lucky they, that they Notre
0: also D- get Notre Dame though. Right. They play Notre Dame.
1: Right. They do get Notre Dame. Yeah,
0: that'll be um, a big so one. It was,
1: it, it was very for the other end of that game the time. Um, and then, yeah. you know, you got to hope that, that they can keep winning. And, um, uh, but yeah, no, I think we touched on, I think we touched on a lot of it. there. kind of rotated all around and, and saw a little bit of everything and, it was it was a thoroughly enjoyable week. It was good to have fans back, the bands back. Like I said, um, that video from Blacksburg on Friday. If you have not gotten a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. Just to you, just kind of feel the the emotion of everybody kind of roll through. And it it was good to have it was good to have college football back. Um, you know, it's a little bit disappointing because you know, in opening week they play Wednesday through Monday like UAB opened the season against Jacksonville state on Wednesday night. And then there were four games on Thursday, a couple of games on Friday, big Sport on Saturday game Sunday, and then uh, Mississippi and Louisville last night. And now it's kind of like, I got to wait until Saturday, I think because yeah. know, the NFL will take center state. Yeah. We have Thursday. to
0: make way for the NFL, the
1: NFL. And, and, I, and I don't mind the NFL, but don't get nearly as excited about the NFL.
0: Yeah, uh, as same. I do
1: about college football. So it's kind of like, now I got to wait until Saturday. And it's like, man, that's so far away. But, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's good. It was good to have it back. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, I'm left feeling like there's Alabama and then there's everybody else, which is, you know, obviously will change half a dozen times. But uh, certainly the Tide looked to be the class of college football again this year.
0: Now, my family, of course, growing up here in Chicago – not a big college football area here. Not big on college sports. So my family is much bigger on the Chicago Bears, which is funny how I somehow ended up a Steelers fan. But we were uh, someone. Someone in my family said, "Hey, are the Bears playing tomorrow?" Because it was like, "Oh, it, football's back. Are they playing?" Uh, so I asked that question on Saturday, and I was like, "No, play next week." Someone asked a question, and this is like you know the NFL fans. It was a question was why don't they do like a a showcase game a week early, like college football does with the week zero. And I was like, Oh boy, that could, I mean, I guess I don't know the ins and outs in terms of TV deals and all that, but I'm like, that actually would make a lot of sense to have like a, a one game the week before, like a week zero of the NFL uh, where you play like on a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock and you could put, couple of crummy teams out there and the ratings would be through the roof because people are starved for NFL. So you basically take that Thursday game and you bump it up to Sunday, um, which unfortunately would steal the shine away from college football. But I, I, I feel like that could happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, I feel like that's probably a question for TV deals and, and things of that nature. Um, and then you got to get the players association to, okay. Cause you have to start camp early or, you know, all the all the different things that come associated with that. But, yeah, it could happen. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, although I do kind of feel like the NFL really has kind of settled into having that Thursday night opener, and that kind of now kicks off the season. I was surprised. I didn't realize uh, until, and this is not to make an NFL podcast, but just briefly <laughs> that uh, there isn't a Monday night doubleheader this year. It's just one Monday Uh-oh. night game. I had not realized that Interesting. that was uh, I had not realized that because I mean I've always kind of become ingrained in, you know, you get the you get the Monday night doubleheader, but uh, this year it's just Ravens and Raiders um, on ESPN, and then it'll be co-shared on ABC.
0: So, um,
1: but yeah, I don't know. Well, you Man, know think, who
0: I'm rooting for in that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, you will definitely be rooting for the silver and black. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I don't know. It will be interesting to see if they decide to do that because. Um, you know, there's always that possibility and the NFL's always looking for ways to make money but um at the same time I feel like they're pretty happy and kind of settled yeah. in with that Thursday night opener that's you know everybody's kind of keyed this is when the season kicks off and and things of that nature.
0: Yeah, and that's good. Stay in your lane NFL. This is yeah. college football weekend Labor Day. We yeah. own it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, we got some games coming up and obviously we also have a bunch of NFL games and My hope is that later, so last year we did during the playoffs, we did like a live show on Wednesday or Thursday nights where we preview the week's games. And my hope is to do something like that uh, once baseball season ends, potentially have something where we preview college and NFL each week. Um, But for this week, we're just previewing college, and we're doing it here on this episode of the Jack Vita Show. Andrew, what are you looking ahead at? as we move into week two of college football season?
1: Uh, I mean, the the big game, I think, I mean, we talked about Oregon, Ohio state. We'll touch on that a little bit, but kind of another one that's I think especially big around here, uh, in the, the Nebraska, Iowa realm is we got the battle for the Cy-Hawk trophy in Ames. Um, Iowa and Iowa state are undefeated. You know, when the rankings get updated, they will probably both be close to top 10. It will definitely be a top 15 matchup. Um, and, you know, they didn't, they didn't play last year because the Big Ten didn't get any non-conference games. So it's been a couple of years since these uh, in-state rivals have gone at each other. And it's really a chance to, you know, Iowa's already got that one marquee win. They beat Indiana at home. Now they go to Iowa State. And a chance to kind of, if they win in Ames, to really, you know, cement themselves as one of the favorites in the Big Ten. And conversely for Iowa State, if they can... You know, hold off their in-state foe a chance to really kind of cement themselves as, you know, one of the one of the big contenders for the national title coming out of the Big Twelve. Um, you know, they did preseason number seven. They struggled a little bit against Northern Iowa. Don't know where they were looking ahead. No no disrespect to Northern Iowa, um, but yeah, that's that's one of those games, and it's kind of nice because if you, you look at the way the setup sort of happens, Oregon St- Oregon Ohio State starts at eleven. Then that roll game rolls in, and that Iowa Iowa State will be at three thirty, uh, on ABC, um, and then we'll roll into, and then that'll roll into Washington and Michigan at uh, seven o'clock. So uh, a nice triple header. There will always be other kind of surprises. Um, you know, after all these big ranked games last week, ranked teams against ranked right. teams, yeah. Um, it kind of dips back a little bit, although a kind of sneaky good game uh, as you're falling asleep. On Fox, Stanford, uh, coming off that loss to Kansas State, they go to the Coliseum and play USC, and a chance for USC to kind of prove where they are. Um, you know, we talk I'll about. I'll give their... you
0: another one. Okay. BYU and Utah.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a, another good one, absolutely. And you know, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about all the rumors of possibly BYU being amongst the four teams to join the the big 12 and maybe that's for maybe that's no, we'll we'll touch
0: on that. Any other games here before we we should talk about that for a couple minutes.
1: Um, none that I
0: Washington, Michigan.
1: I mean, Texas, Arkansas, I think has a possibility to be interesting, especially being played in little rock, uh, or in Fayetteville rather. Um, you know, another one, keep an eye on app state. My app states at Miami, uh, we we, we talked about how teams end up reeling, And and App State, one of the best teams in the Sun Belt, and uh, you know if Miami's reeling from playing Alabama, like that's they could get gotten. And all of a sudden, if they start out zero and two, you know there are real problems there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that's you know Alabama plays Mercer, like a lot of the teams that challenge themselves in Week One now are kind of dialing it back, and a few teams playing FCS opponents. Um. So so that's kind of that's where that's where I'm at. Um, Interesting game on Friday. Coastal Carolina hosts Kansas. You know, uh, get, it's not often that you get a Big 12 team to come play and, you know, yeah. can't, Kansas, Kansas is not the upper tier of the Big 12, but still they got a nice <laughs> win against South Dakota last week. So and yeah, they'll, get, a, a they'll get a primetime slot on Friday night on ESPN. But yeah, that's that's the two Big 10, uh, Big uh, Pac-12 showdowns, uh, the Cyhawk Trophy. And then uh, a couple, well, uh, BYU and Utah is a pretty big rivalry game, and then USC Stanford. So certainly some games to keep an eye on. Not quite anything that moves the needle, I think, quite as much as what we had with, with Clemson and Georgia. But certainly some really good games out there in week two.
0: Yep, and Texas and Arkansas, I think, is good because it's the past and it's the future. They've been in a conference together before. They're in a conference. They're going to be in a conference together probably starting next year and the Big 12 is now talking about its plans post-Texas and Oklahoma. They've had uh, this report came out, I think it was on Friday, Thursday or Friday, and it said that they have four teams applying for the Big 12, and now I don't know if it's clear if they would take all four, because if they took all four, go back to 12 teams, which I, I like more than having 10 teams in the Big 12. you got... 14 in the Big Ten. Why not have 12 in the Big 12? You know, makes makes a nice makes a lot of sense. Uh, but we've got uh, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, and who was the other one? Central Florida. Central Florida. So really dipping into the American, and then snagging BYU, which is now an independent team. Um, I actually think BYU is a pretty good get for a conference because they're a really good sports school and I think they have a pretty strong reach across the country because every Mormon that I've ever met is a, is a huge BYU fan. So they have like, obviously they're not Texas or Oklahoma, but they're, I think they're a pretty strong brand.
1: Yeah. I think that's absolutely a a correct assessment. And I feel like even non Mormons, like you've heard. Oh yeah. and, And you know, they've kind of, they've taken independence very well the last few years, and they've sort of ended up like Boise, um, you know, where a lot of their games are on ESPN. We talked about them in the the preseason one. They play seven, I think, uh, seven or eight Power Five schools, which is, you know, certainly kind of unheard of for a a non-Power Five League team. And uh, those games end up on TV. You know, we talked about BYU Coastal last year being one of the games of the year. Um, And so, yeah. You know, they've they've got a very strong brand. They're well-known in college football circles. Um, You know, and as you mentioned, they've got other teams that are good in volleyball. Uh, When Jimmer Fredette was there, uh, good in basketball. They're always pretty decent in basketball, but uh, Jimmer was – those teams were really good. And, (laughs) yeah, yeah, they can compete. They would be a good all-sports addition um, for for the Big 12 certainly.
0: Yeah, and I think that the one thing with BYU is they don't play games on Sundays. So, does the Big 12 typically play sports? You know, they play Sunday games?
1: You know, not typically. So, the way they set up for basketball is they typically do uh, They do one round of conference games on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then many of the other ones are on Saturday. I think they all kind of play their, their second... Be- there may be one game on Sunday, but for the most part, it's set up where uh, – because you can't have teams playing on Sunday and then turning around and playing on Big Monday. And Big Monday is kind of one of their big things. So, um, you know, they might be one of those teams that just has to avoid a Sunday game, but I, I don't think scheduling would turn out to be too difficult. It would just be – and I can't remember if BYU – I don't know if BYU plays baseball, and I feel like that's something I should probably know off the top of my head. but um <laughs> You know, I would guess the, they c- would. They probably the big, do. Because the Big 12 plays Friday. You know, they, they do the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's your pretty typical college baseball um, weekend series. So that would require some adjustments. Certainly not anything that... Um, they do play
0: baseball, by the way.
1: Yeah, it looks like they're 23 and 27 this year. So that just requires some adjustment.
0: They could play a doubleheader um, on... it be like a doubleheader on Saturday type thing.
1: Yeah, I'd do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um because some of the leagues like the sec gets a marquee game on thursday night so those series yeah. end up being thursday friday saturday so they could certainly figure it out um yeah i i like that uh cincinnati gives west virginia kind of a travel partner um yeah,
0: that's that's a good point houston
1: allows them to continue to keep their foothold on in texas and uh dana holgerson celebrated you know possibly uh joining the big 12 by promptly running out to a big lead against Texas Tech and then giving it all away in a game we didn't talk about <laughs> on Saturday. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, Central Florida, a huge brand for football. Um, you know, they, they've had some success in basketball uh, with Dawkins there. And, and, you know, they got to the uh, – Johnny Dawkins, and they got to the second round of the NCAA tournament um, a couple years ago and gave Zion and that R.J. Barrett team and all that, kind of everything they could handle, Taco fall. Uh, Aubrey Dawkins, all that stuff. They're pretty decent, they're pretty decent baseball school. So, I mean, the only thing that kind of leaves them out is they're sort of isolated from everybody else. But I mean, this is all about TV viewership. And if we cared about conferences that had schools that were close together, we would redesign all the conferences (laughs) and they would have the same number of teams and they'd be geographic rivals. And we're, we're, we've jumped the shark for that. So um, I, you know, if that ends up happening, I think they're all great additions I will be interested to see how soon they can get them in um, and whether that ushers Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC early or whether we actually end up with 14 teams in the Big 12 for a little while. Um, Ooh, it, yeah. it, it would be really, really entertaining to watch Texas have to play Houston and you know Oklahoma play Central Florida and things like that. I don't know whether or not that will happen.
0: Um, you know, I would love to see them stuck in the big 12 for a year where it's like, you go to a dinner party and they just don't let you leave the house. You have to stay there for a couple days. (laughs) lock all the doors.
1: There's the uncomfortable, awkward silence and people trying to make small talk and nobody's having (laughs) it. So yeah, that that would be thoroughly entertaining. I would really enjoy that. Um, you know, that's, that's for conference commissioners and university presidents and maybe TV executives to figure all that out. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think that will, you know, as as good as it is for the the Big 12, it will, um, you know, it would be interesting to see how the AAC then has to turn around and respond. Um, You know, people have suggested maybe some Conference USA schools. That's probably their best bet because the Sun Belt, I think, is kind of locked in at, at where they are. But... know, one domino might be falling. I know the president's met over the weekend, um, and they may have to discuss those applications, and we may get some information here soon. Or it may be quiet like it was with Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, and then all of a sudden things kind of come shooting out of nowhere when somebody gets a leak of information. But we'll see. It it would be a really good move for the Big 12, um, for the Big 12 staying together. And, um, you know, if that happens, it would be good to see Cincinnati uh UCF teams we've kind of championed and BYU even. Um, you know, in Houston was really good when Derek King was there and things of that nature, but giving those teams access to the playoff, which, you know, until the playoff expands, they're they're never gonna get. So yeah. Um yeah. So I think it's a good move. We'll you know, you hope it works out. Um, you know, I, I don't envy volleyball teams that have to, you know, make the <sighs> set up travel schedule and be like oh we're gonna go from provo to orlando
0: <laughs> but that's <laughs> hey they you know, can go to disney world it's fun hey, to go but, to but,
1: but you know that's you know that's that's people get paid to f- director of basketball ops and volleyball ops and things they get
0: paid to figure that stuff out so they can make it all work yeah shout out to peter funk the new uh director of basketball ops for valparaiso
1: yes Yes, we we the team can proudly say we've got the funk right.
0: (laughs) All right, so I I will I'll add that I think that this was the best move that the Big Twelve could really make because I think you had to act quickly. You got to get some teams in because the longer you wait, the higher likelihood there is of a Kansas, an Iowa State. TCU Baylor, someone jumping ship to another conference to try to stay in that power group. You pretty much add, I mean, arguably maybe the best, maybe Boise States in there. There There's some other teams you could talk about, but in terms of non-power five, these are probably the best schools you could add. And you're, you're, you're setting something up to try to keep this conference intact. I think a lot of them make geographical sense to some extent, you know we know what I mean. we, we 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 covered that but um yeah should be fun to watch and we'll see if we have any news over the next couple of weeks on that he's Andrew Stem he writes at the Omaha World Herald you can follow him on Twitter at a stem 00 andrew anything else i'm sure we'll be chatting again sometime in the near future
1: yeah man it was it was great to have it back to see you know stadiums full to have all those great atmospheres and uh you know the the weather it has felt good. Uh, it's been warm. And uh, even though it was warm on Saturday, it felt like fall. So uh, oh yeah. you know, we're good. Good to have uh, you know football back. We get the NFL, usher in the NFL on Thursday, baseball playoff races. It's it's a good time to be camping out in front of the TV. And
0: a great time to subscribe to the Jack Vita Show and log on to my site, jackvita.com, and get on the email list for that matter as well. Andrew, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks, Jack. Always good to chat with you, man.
0: All right, y'all. That concludes my conversation today with Andrew Stem, the Omaha World Herald. I'm going to have to start charging him rent on this podcast. He's been here. Uh, it seems like just half the time we've recorded podcasts this year. And I'm just kidding. He's been fantastic. Uh, great having him here. You guys can follow me at Jack Vita Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube.com slash Jack Vita. And we're wrapping up the sports movie bracket this week. We're down to the final four. Only a few films remain, so make sure you're following along. And you can vote on my Twitter and Instagram pages. Subscribe to this podcast if you guys like the podcast. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. It would be awesome for us and it'll help us get this show out to more people. If you guys like if you guys like the Jack Vita show, share it with a friend and make sure you guys compete in the official Jack Vita Show Pick 'em Pool. Go to my website jackvita.com, follow the instructions, there's a link to it and it has all the instructions. In order to qualify, you must be subscribed to the Jack Vita Show and you you also must leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So screenshot your review, show me what you what you wrote screenshot show me that you're subscribed to the show send it to me on social media either direct message or tweet it at me again i'm at jack vita show and i can't wait to play with you guys the winner of the pool gets 50 bucks in appearance on the jack vita show so until next time and by the way we'll be back either later this week or sometime next week for a full baseball episode probably next week But we'll see. We'll see how this week goes. And then we'll also be back uh, next Monday or Tuesday recapping all things football from week one of the NFL season. If you guys missed our college football or NFL previews, you can go back and check those out. Those are in this podcast feed. Or you can go onto my site, jackvita.com and get on the email list over there so you're always notified whenever there's fresh content available for you, your listener. Until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of the lobsters.